0: Hi, everyone, and welcome to the HR Works Podcast, brought to you by HR Daily Advisor. I'm your guest host, Josh Zygmunt, Content Director for Simplify Media. The HR Works Podcast provides clear, relevant, and actionable information on topics that matter to you, the HR professional. When you're armed with the best practices and strategies to attract, retain, and engage top talent and deliver exceptional service to your organization, HR just works. In today's episode, we're joined by Scott Day. Chief People Officer at Aludo, a global technology company and the power behind brands such as Parallels, CoralDraw, MindManager, and WinZip. Scott heads up Aludo's global people operations worldwide, joining in early 2022 after notable executive experience from companies such as PayPal, OpenTable, and Airbnb. He is known for his unique personal leadership style and ability to create highly engaged teams and organizations that put people first. Scott is known for building supportive and high-performing teams and has a demonstrated passion for driving organizational change, shaping culture, and delivering business results in a fast-paced, collaborative environment. He's also a huge believer in the power of workplace flexibility, and we brought him on today to talk about the topic that is dominating headlines and conversation in the HR space right now, and that's the idea of the four-day work week. So without further ado, let's welcome Scott. Scott, welcome to the HR Works podcast.
1: Hi, Josh. Thank you so much for having me.
0: Well, it's great having you on, Scott. And as we do with all of our guests that we introduce to our audience on HR Works, let's get you started and have you talk us through your career path and share a bit of what led you to pursuing a career in human resources and people operations.
1: Yeah, for sure. Um, Well, when I got out of college, uh, my career path was pretty well uh, established for me in advance. Uh, I went to college knowing that I wanted to uh, be an officer in the Marine Corps and that's what I focused on for the four years of my undergraduate studies and that's what I did upon graduation. Uh, So for the first five years of my career, I was a a logistics officer in the United States Marine Corps. Um, In the last couple of years, uh, I went back to school and got an MBA in the evenings uh, when I wasn't working. and. That's when my eyes were sort of open to a whole uh, new career path or a different way of doing things, which was uh, kind of the corporate uh, world. So uh, I made the decision to leave the Marines after five years, and I went to work for a small company of about 1,500 people at the time called Capital One. It was a spin-off credit card division from a, a regional bank, Um, I started at Capital One with 1,500 employees, and I left 11 years later when there were about 25,000 employees. And so uh, at Capital One, I learned some really amazing things about the importance of talent, uh, about what it means to create an environment uh, that people want to work in, and how that differentiating yourself on those dimensions as a company can really set you apart and set you up for success. Um, interestingly, I was not hired as an HR person at Capital One, and I spent about the first nine years of my 11 years there doing operations management. It was in the last couple of years that I transitioned into adult learning, leading training organizations, and then eventually into my first job as an HR business partner. And that was really building on the interests that I had established in my time in the Marines in leadership leadership development, what does it mean to be a leader, uh, what differentiates strong cultures from uh, from weaker cultures, these things uh, were brewing inside of me. And so Capital One was a place that really believed in talent mobility and letting people try on different things. And so at Capital One, my interest in human resources sort of took root first as a customer of the function. And then eventually I was able to translate that into uh, my first role in HR.
0: That's so great.
1: Yeah. From there, I I did a couple years stint as an executive recruiter, uh, which was a a really important experience for me from a learning standpoint on a lot of dimensions. It was a tough job uh, and a really amazing, uh, like I said, learning experience. And then I parlayed that into my first Silicon Valley HR experience in in 2009 when I uh, took on an HR business partner role at a subsidiary of eBay called StubHub. Um, Since that time, I've lived and worked in the San Francisco Bay Area. I've worked for the companies that you've mentioned. I also worked for Yahoo for a period of time. And the one thing that has been consistent in all of the uh, companies I've worked for and all of the experiences I've had is dynamic, fast-paced, typically growth, but also just lots of change. Change comes with growth and rapid scaling, but it also comes from other dimensions, like living through a downturn or going through difficult financial times. And so um, focus has been in technology. So hiring knowledge workers predominantly to work in technology companies. And uh, and yeah, that's what I've been doing uh, for my, most of my career there.
0: That's great. Well, thank you for sharing that, Scott. First and foremost, thank you for your service, uh, again, as a member of the Marine Corps. You bet. I have to call that out from the start. But from there, I really appreciate you sharing that unique path that you've taken to your role again as chief people officer with the Ludo. I love sharing that with our audience because there really is no hard set path into a career and a successful career into human resources. And I love sharing that to show some examples of ways that you can really grow your career. I think, as you mentioned, talent mobility really being a big piece of what got you into your career in human resources. And that's something that so many teams and HR leaders are focused on, is looking for those next opportunities. So much of that also is the culture of the organizations you're with, who will invest and trust and put those opportunities in front of their employees to grow and keep developing and finding their passions in their careers. So again, thank you for sharing that.
1: You bet. Yeah, no, it's, it's true. And I feel very fortunate to have worked for a lot of great companies, a lot of great brands that have put employees first. And that has solidified my philosophies on the topic.
0: Fantastic. Well, Scott, let's dig into what we've got you here today to talk about. And this is that idea of the four-day work week that we're seeing bubble up and really leading a lot of conversations in the human resources space right now. Just to start us off, we're seeing in the UK, a pilot program just launched in, I believe it was January, that is being billed as the world's largest trial of the four-day work week uh, with over 3,000 employees participating. And it's getting largely positive results, a lot of which are being covered in the media right now. So what's driving this conversation around the four-day work week and making it one of the leading trends that's being talked about?
1: Yeah. Well, Josh, I think people feel overwhelmed and burned out at work and that's what's driving it, but that's not new. Um, I think people are starting to realize that work is an important part of life, but increasingly, and this is a generational difference that we keep seeing with each new generation entering the workforce, the role that work plays is changing in terms of uh, the importance in one's life, um, that it's important, but maybe it's not the most important part of your life. And at Aludo, we use this phrase, uh, you know, people want to work to live, not live to work. And so I think that dynamic shifting generations um, uh, and uh, and the, the relative importance that work plays in an overall construct of one's lives is shifting. And so I think that's what's brought this topic to the forefront at this time.
0: Yeah. I mean, the idea of work-life balance isn't new. It, it's not something that was developed post 2020, but I think maybe our understanding of what that can be is changing. People are realizing that it can actually be achieved and there's different ways to get there as opposed to just getting out of work at a decent hour to make it to the gym or take care of what needs to be done in your personal life. I mean, there's a, a different understanding of how to get there.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, Interestingly, on this topic, I think that the four-day work week uh, is an important conversation, and for certain kinds of jobs, it may be the most important conversation because it's you know there are jobs, let's say that that require your physical presence at a place and and at a specific time, and I think for those types of jobs, this can be a way to address what you and I are talking about.
0: Yeah. Absolutely. So knowing that you're an advocate for workplace flexibility, do you think the four-day work week is the best pathway going forward to combat burnout and achieve that work-life balance that so many of us are going for in 2023? Or are there other options out there that we should be thinking about too?
1: Yeah. Well, as I just mentioned, I think for certain kinds of jobs, uh, those that require essential workers, uh, those that require shift coverage, that yeah, this might be I think for the kinds of jobs that I'm typically working with in the technology industry, and I think this applies to other industries as well, where you're seeking uh, knowledge workers, I'm not so sure that the four-day work week is the best answer. And it's not maybe for the reasons that one might assume. Um, To me, uh, it's still a top-down decision that's driven by a company that says, here's how we're going to help you as an employee, manage your work-life balance, we're going to reduce your work week. I'm much more in favor for knowledge workers of a modality that says, why don't you tell me what works best for you as an employee? Um, and I think that the key to that, which basically is entrusting the employee to know what works best for themselves, and in, in so far as flexibility is concerned, is a focus on outcomes and managing to outcomes as opposed to managing one's presence in a job. And so to me, I think there are a lot of other ways to address workplace flexibility and in doing so, empower the human being that's employed to make the decision that's best for him or her. It's a great
0: way to look at it, Scott. One of the um, ways I heard it referred to recently that I really love and want to share here is It's about the work that gets done, not where the work gets done. And I think it can even be looked at and expanded to say and how the work gets done from an approach standpoint. If it's a four-day work week, as many teams are now looking at, or maybe again, it's a more inventive, flexible option that works for the team, that might be the best path to consider.
1: Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I recently wrote a blog article on this topic. And uh, I got, uh, it got picked up in, in a comment from someone who I look up to, uh, a thought leader in the HR industry named uh, Mark Efron, who basically commented on what I had said, which was in line with what we're discussing here, that a different sized straight jacket is still a straight jacket. And that really kind of encapsulated the idea to me, which is... Um, A company telling an employee when to work is still telling an employee when to work, whether it's four days, five days, 40 hours, 32 hours. And I think that uh, the direction that work uh, is going and that companies need to be thinking about is um, what works best for the employee and how do you set up systems and approaches that support them making the decision?
0: That's some great advice there, Scott. So what are some of those challenges and drawbacks that HR leaders, organizations, and employees need to be considering when they're looking at four-day work weeks and saying, maybe this could be a good fit for us. What are some of those red flags that need to be thought about?
1: Well, I think the biggest one is, will it actually address the problem? Sure. Uh, One can still get very frustrated that they're missing important parts of their life in four days, the, uh, the same way they could in five days. You know, having 3 contiguous days off if that's even the setup because nobody's said that a 4-day work week means 4 days uh, in a row uh, will allow for the kinds of <clears throat> autonomy and flexibility that uh, uh, a system might if it were to say you tell me when to work and, and so that you know i just i think the biggest challenge is will it actually address the thing that you're seeking to address which is Creating uh, not just less burnout, but a greater sense of autonomy for the employee. To me, ultimately, that is more important than anything. I think that's more important than compensation. I think that's more important than uh, learning on the job. It's empowering adult knowledge workers to make the decisions that work best for them in their lives and to trust that. And uh, and and if there's that relationship of trust, I think there's all kinds of benefits that come from it. We can get into that. But, um, you know, the biggest red flag for me around a four day work week is it's a different you're just changing the time dimension. You're not changing anything else.
0: Yeah. So what are some of those other options maybe teams can consider beyond just a four day work week to still achieve workplace flexibility?
1: Yeah, I mean, the one that we're all living through right now, thanks to the pandemic, whoever thought we'd be saying thanks to the pandemic about anything. Uh, But remote is a a big one. And the data is is speaking for itself on this. Uh, You know, I've read recent articles and seen things uh, uh, referred to on LinkedIn, for example, that uh, jobs that are listed as remote first are being disproportionately sought after uh, and applied to uh, vis-a-vis office-based jobs. So I think remote and giving people autonomy over that spatial dimension where you work from is is probably the most significant enabler of flexibility and therefore autonomy. Um, I think uh, on the time dimension, somebody's setting their own schedule for the preponderance of their work time. And what I mean by that is, Yes, there will be important things that have to happen at a specified time, the important weekly collaboration meeting or a place where information gets handed down. And so, you know, there will always be that dimension. But the bulk of our time working is usually doing our job it's not just attending the meeting it's what do we learn from the meeting that we then go and have to apply our skills toward uh, some outcome and so uh, giving more flexibility on when that work gets done allows people to uh, optimize for themselves i mean we all have different needs we have different familial needs we have different uh, commitments outside of work we also have different brains Uh, that work better at different times of day, or maybe that are wired differently from one another. And so I think, uh, you know, giving flexibility towards scheduling is another one. What enables this uh, to occur is this idea of outcome-based management, uh, which uh, we touched on earlier, um, but I think that, I think those are the big ones that I think of. Another one, you know, tracking free PTO, sort of this idea that, you know, best when you need to take time off to go and recharge and uh, that as long as you're planning that into the accomplishment of the outcomes that we've mutually agreed upon, we being the employer and the employee, then uh, and, uh, setting the employee free to make those decisions on their own is, is what works best.
0: I love that idea, too, of there being different modalities, different approaches that work best for different people. I think mean, we're seeing that and we can all speak to it where we know when we're able to be more focused, maybe more creative and working your schedule around those times to really optimize the eight hours a day you're putting in or the 40 hours a week you're putting in to really get the most out of yourself and out of your workforce. And that's where teams are starting to see that and taking advantage of what we've learned from the pandemic, how to use tools to our advantage. Right? We're seeing use of more asynchronous tools and accomplishing work in different ways. Um, it's great the teams are exploring that. I love that you're an advocate too for teams continuing to explore that with flexible schedules that aren't just the four day work week. As you said, we don't even know yet what that looks like. Is it a Monday through Thursday? Is it Monday, Tuesday with a Wednesday off day and then Thursday, Friday? Um, and I think teams will continue to explore that and find the best fit for their people. I'm excited to see how that plays out. So Scott, with that, how can a team really get a sense from their workforce of what works best?
1: Well, I think it's important to listen to your employees. I mean, all companies are different. Uh, we, we're all on different missions, uh, and and we attract people to work uh, for us uh, using different combinations of our missions and what rewards we offer and, and, a, and a host of things. but. Um, I think one thing that companies should have in common is that it's important to listen to your workforce. And so that's what we did at Aludo. We started this process, you know, we were coming out of, uh, the the world was coming back online and we had worked remotely as everyone else had to for a period of time. And so we started asking our employees uh, in the form of surveys, what would work best for you how interested are you in working remote primarily and we got an overwhelming response from our workforce in fact it was the highest level of agreement i've ever seen on any survey ever in my career that about 85% of our workforce came back and said um yeah i want to work remote uh i want to work remotely and 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 then there were about 9% of the population that came back and said um i'm not sure I'm sort of neutral on the issue. you got to tell me more. Uh, But I mean, right out of the gates, you've got such a a clear message that's coming and that influenced us that, that uh, caused us to start to rethink our approach here. We are now a a fully remote first workforce. And we're seeing that uh, after having designated ourselves as such a year ago, that, uh, that, that 9% that were sort of indifferent have become promoters. Uh, we did a recent survey in, in uh, last fall. And we're now in the, in the 90s uh, in terms of percentage points of people who agree that remote first works well for me. We even gave people an option because we do have concentrations of people in different places. And we said, you can decide for yourself whether you want to be designated as a remote employee or if you want to be designated as an office employee. And if you're designated as an office employee, we will hold a desk for you. It's your desk. You can come into the office and it's yours. Um, if you don't and you want to forego that and you want to designate as a remote-first employee, uh, we'll give you a stipend to assist with some of the office uh, needs that you might have at home, such as ergonomic support and, and the like. Well. Out of the gates, the overwhelming majority, like in the 90s, opted in at remote first. But we've had people switch since then when they started realizing uh, that, that, uh, that working remotely was gonna be better for them. So my, my point in this is remote doesn't work for everybody, just like a four-day work week won't work for everybody. Right. Um, it, it does work for the vast majority of our employees and they're showing us that it really matters. But to your question, it's, we know this because we listen to them. and we ask questions, we have a feedback loop where we can stay engaged with our employees. I would say right now, this is the number one reason that people would cite as what causes their uh, engagement to, to stay high at our company. And it's also the number one reason that people want to join our company right now is that we are very clear about this remote first work idea.
0: Right. It's a great retention tool. It's also a great recruiting tool for so many workers who are looking for that right balance and understanding that their preferred model for working can be achieved. That is so great. Just digging into more of what you mentioned there, I loved hearing that you gave your employees the option but that some of them even they were on the fence about remote work until they were given the option maybe saw hey you know remote is better and came over to that side and really accepted that as a great way to go that's that's so encouraging to hear and really interesting especially given so much of the recent news regarding larger companies that we're seeing make bold statements for return to the office Disney Amazon Apple Salesforce all coming out with return to office plans that are largely aggressive and bringing their teams back I think that's at least certainly bringing the conversation to the forefront of a lot of HR leaders, a lot of workers, a lot of employees. It's a great dinner and table conversation, too, to see just how divided people are with going back to work versus versus not or going back to the office versus not. Yeah, What can HR leaders do to help support that workplace flexibility that so many of us are striving for and looking to achieve going forward?
1: Well, I mean, you just mentioned a lot of big name companies that, you know, if you're a part of those companies, I guess you just keep doing the same thing you've always done and you pay more and and offer uh, great opportunities to learn and great uh, cultures. Each of those companies that you mentioned are respected brands and, you know, they have a lot to offer. If you're not one of those companies, what I would offer as advice is play against that. Because as the, as the demographics are showing us, and again, there are studies on LinkedIn right now that show that people are disproportionately interested in working remotely. So this gives smaller companies that have the ability to do more dynamic uh, testing of these kinds of things um, to play against that and say, we're not Amazon, we're not Disney, we're not uh, Salesforce. And uh, what we offer you is a greater sense of autonomy and flexibility. And I wanna come back to a word that you just used in playing back what you heard from me. And that word is choice. And this gets to the heart of the four day work week yeah. Yeah. Uh, conversation and it gets to the heart of the, of the spatial dimension, where I work from. If you can offer employees a choice in the matter I'm willing to guarantee you that they will be happier about that. Now, uh, does that mean that you will retain the best employees and attract the best employees? I don't know. There's a lot of things that go into that. But I certainly know that this, in my experience, is a foundational human adult need, which is to be at choice when it comes to things that matter in my life. If I want to sit two hours in traffic to get to a place To then go into a room where I either shut a door or sit in a little box and get on a screen and talk to other people. Or I can do that from the benefit of my from my own home and avoid that time and spend that time doing other things like working out or meditating or going to my kid's soccer game um, or anything playing video games. I don't care. If I get to make that decision, I am going to feel like a more empowered human being. And I honestly think that is the biggest differentiator in companies that can offer that level of choice to employees, in my estimation, especially with the generational changes that we're seeing, uh, are going to win. And so that's, you know, I would encourage all companies to be thinking about this, but some, you know, have made massive investments in real estate and they need to demonstrate that they can utilize that. I saw this crazy article just this week that certain companies are now designing their offices to look more like people's homes because folks have gotten so used to working from home. Now I'm gonna sit in traffic, drive to a place, go not work in a box, but work in a place that looks like the one that I just left and, and drove away from through traffic. So. To me, you know, I think that some of this is starting to get a bit absurd. Uh, Why not give the person the choice and they can decide? Like I said, there is a population that wants or has to work outside of either their home or their their place of choosing. You know, maybe they work best in that environment. And if you can offer even that flexibility, that's great. Um, But to have a one size fits all, a one size that says we know better than you do what works for you. I think uh, I think that's gonna you're gonna find over time that that becomes challenging to keep the best people.
0: Sure. Well, think about it too. We're all so accustomed to personalization. Everything is personalized now, and and I think we're learning now too that you can personalize how you work and really find that work model that works best for you to give you the best balance. and I think that's that's we're exploring that more now too. to go back to your initial point, some of the benefits and positive things we learned from the pandemic were, that's possible. You can do it.
1: Oh, absolutely. I mean, uh, you know, many companies grew during the pandemic in this modality that they thought would never work. I mean, again, the things that get surfaced is that inherently companies won't say this, but they have always assumed that their people are lazy or won't work unless they're monitored, unless we can count the butts in the seats. We don't know that they're actually doing anything. And that kind of just gets down to this differences in how we foundationally see people. My, in my experience, um, uh, people who've taken the time to invest in this, in developing the skills that they want to put to work in the workforce are not lazy. Um, and if they want to work from home, uh, they still want to work and they still want to achieve things and we can still measure that achievement and we can still have feedback loops that demonstrate that the outcomes that are important to the company are being achieved by those people. Let's invest in those things as opposed to mandating anything because mandates feel like I'm less in charge of my own destiny as a human being. And I I just foundationally think that people don't like that feeling.
0: Yeah, that's great. Great insight there too, Scott. So sticking on the idea of output and outcomes, so many businesses and organizations I think are going to look at, okay, give me the business case. Give me the positive results that'll come out of flexible workplace. What are some of those wins that businesses can find by leaning into workplace flexibility?
1: Well, I mean, at the end of the day, I think it's about retention of the best people. As I mentioned in the beginning of our discussion, you know, I worked for a great company. I consider myself a proud alumnus of Capital One, where, where I learned for the first time a lot about the corporate environment. And this was a company that at its essence realized that being an employer of choice Uh, A place that people wanted to work for was going to make everything else that came after that in terms of uh, achieving business objectives uh, better and easier. Uh, If you get the best to start and they want to stay with you and they stay with you for a long time and and you invest in their growth and development, um, you're going to win. Like that is that is the differentiator uh, in my estimation. And it's not always just about paying people more. I mean, obviously you have to pay fair wages. You have to have transparent policies. People have to know where they stand. People want to know that they can grow in an environment. Those things have never changed. Those are fundamental human desires and those are still important, but all of those things come together to, to, to say, will the best people that I could possibly attract want to work for me and stay with me. And I think that flexibility and, uh, uh, promoting autonomy and, and and doing so through choice uh, will be a relatively low expense way to get at that. You know, rewarding people disproportionately, you have to be in such a cash flow position to be able to afford to do that. Not all right? companies at all times are, but I would venture to say most companies are in a position if they can loosen their grip on control and trust a little bit more and even put systems in place to make sure that folks are doing uh, uh, okay in their pursuit of the the goals. Um, this is doable and and it doesn't cost a lot. and so th- this is the the this is the foundational dimension of uh, why I think this is good for business.
0: Yeah, the only cost there is is really comfort and just being. Comfortable with saying, hey, we can do things differently. Maybe this is a new approach we can take to build that greater employee experience. Pay is only part of that. There's a bigger piece to be looked at. And that's just the balance you can achieve and just the happiness of your employees. That was one of the big takeaways that we're seeing, even from that four day work trial that's being done out in the UK, is that I think they said 15% of the 3,000 employees who were participating said they would take a pay cut just to move toward that more flexible model. I think there's a lot to be said with that.
1: And even that model's not that flexible, but, right, but right. You, just in that data, people are willing to forego things that everyone else thinks are the most important things to get a little more flexibility back in their life. Imagine if you throw that out the window and say, you tell me when you want to work relative to this set of objectives that I have, uh, uh, that we've mutually kind of agreed upon uh, that we need to get done as a company. I, I think you'd see those numbers go up. I couldn't agree more,
0: that's great. Okay, so we're here with Scott Day, Chief People Officer at Aludo. Scott, is there anything you're excited about that you're currently working on at Aludo or anything you want to share with our audience? Now's a great opportunity to plug and uh, tell our audience where they can learn more.
1: Sure. You can certainly go to aludo.com. I mean, the things that I'm uh, discussing that I believe are good for the employees of the company that I work for, Aludo... um, uh, we as a company think are good for all employees. So I'm very excited to be a part of a company uh, whose brand is rooted in this idea of freedom from time and place. So, uh, you know, we produce a product called parallels, which enables uh, people to work in a, in a platform agnostic manner. If you have a, 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 Apple laptop, and you want to want run Windows products on it. You can do so through our product, uh, and you. And so, we're trying to enable more detachment from the old ways of working, and uh, and so I'm I'm super excited about that. Um, I'm excited to continue uh, to sort of see where this whole uh, work remote uh, choice goes, uh, as I indicated earlier in the discussion, we, we've seen that even after a high uptake of folks choosing remote first, that even more people are moving in that direction. That's allowing us to rethink what we even use office space for. So uh, we can save some money by consolidating our office footprint that, uh, that used to be available because we needed cubes for people to sit in. Um, and we're, we're redesigning the space that we do have to be more collaborative because we also foundationally believe that interpersonal connection is super important. And, and so we do want to take some of the money that we would have otherwise put into office spaces and use that money to bring people together with certain amount of frequencies so that when they do come together, this was something we learned through listening to the employees, uh, A lot of folks talk about the importance of collaboration, that that can only be done in person. I kind of disagree with that. I think that we're we're doing it right now. Like you can collaborate very well uh, digitally. What you can't do as well is socialize, connect, feel that interpersonal bond. If you are in person with another human being, you're just bound to discuss a wider array of things and you're less time bound by it. So we're going to invest more money in doing that kind of stuff. Uh, bringing people together for the pure purpose of socialization and connection. So these are the things that I'm excited about. Um, you know, we're, we're a growing company. We're committed to growth. We want to continue to hire the best people we can. We have to continue to prove that our uh, uh, business um, offerings uh, are uh, you know, solve the problems that we are trying to solve internally for the rest of the world. And I just feel like there's a tremendous amount of alignment in uh, both what I'm wanting to do inside the company and what we as a company are doing for the rest of the world.
0: Yeah, thanks for sharing, Scott. I'm excited just hearing that. That's perfect. All right, Scott. So we talked so much about what we've learned as a workforce over the last few years, but let's turn the table a bit and just look at what you've learned about yourself over the past few years. What's something that you've learned that you think has made you a better leader over the last year to two years?
1: Yeah, uh, I mean, for me, I think the most significant thing that I've learned about myself uh, that has been really liberating and wonderful is that who I work with is probably the most important dimension of uh, my work experience. Uh, I say this having worked for a lot of amazing companies, each of which was in pursuit of some very compelling missions. And if it was, if you were asking me a few years ago, like the mission I was on would have been the most important differentiator, even more so than, uh, you know, the, the, the other thing that lots of people will use as a differentiator, like how much money can I make? Uh, that's an important aspect to everybody. We all have bills to pay and, and, and like being compensated is important. Um, why we work that mission orientation that purpose is super important but for me in the last year i've realized that you can be on an important mission but still not necessarily connect uh values wise with the people that are on that mission with you uh and i guess some of this comes with age uh but for me right now, the the, the CEO that I uh, report to, who I've worked for before I worked, uh, her name is Krista Quarles. She was the CEO at Open Table when I was the head of people there. Uh, this is my second time working for her. I've never come back to the same boss again in my career, except for this time. And it really, really uh, was a good decision for me, especially in what I do uh, as an HR leader, like connecting with a leader, who shares everything you and I've discussed today would be the same kinds of ways uh, that my boss would look at the world. And so there's just so much alignment in that. And, and having that, I think, you know, just alleviates a lot of stress. It doesn't mean that we're not going to take on difficult things. It doesn't mean we're not going to disagree from time to time. Um, but when, when you've got a leader that you align with, and your teammates are also on board for the same reason and believe in the same kinds of ways of doing things. Um, It just makes things uh, more pleasurable. And um, so that's the thing that I've been picking up.
0: That's great. Thank you for sharing that, Scott. And then again, looking at at sharing with our audience, do you have any professional advice that you've leaned on throughout your career in so many great places and, and doing so many great things, accomplishing so much that you've leaned on that's really helped make you successful and you could pass forward to our audience of HR professionals.
1: Yeah. Several years ago, I went to a, uh, a symposium for first time uh, CHROs that was uh, sponsored by a, an executive search uh, firm, but that brought together uh, a, a, a number of thought leaders and it was sort of a mentoring environment Um for people who had largely moved on to board positions and were sort of former CHROs. And there was uh, a a gentleman there that that was speaking to us that that handed down the advice that I will share. uh, And I'll tell you a little bit why that advice was so uh, uh, important. His advice had very little to do with HR. It had to do with living within your means financially. And uh, the reason that that was important was he said, if it hasn't happened already, there will definitely, for every head of HR, come a time, and this is true for HR business partners and compensation leaders and recruiters, like when you're in this industry, you're going to have to deliver unpopular messages from time to time. Uh, For better or for worse, our function is often seen as the conscience of an organization. And when you assume the responsibility of being the conscience of an organization, there are times when you're going to have to level the very difficult truth, and it may not be popular. And you're going to be confronted with a moment where you're going to have to decide what's more important: my job and and uh, sacrificing what I know to be the right thing because I have to pay the bills, or having uh, you know not built a lifestyle that has all these pressures that would cause me to be tempted in that direction. So I found that to be some of the best advice I've ever had because, uh, by living by that advice, um, I do feel that I can be unencumbered from that pressure and be more in a position to speak the unpopular truth. And, um, Again, given, you know, what I said about learning in the last year, uh, what I've learned about, you know, who you work for being so important. uh, I don't find that to be a challenge as much when you do the due diligence on the front, but you never know. And I do just think it's an occupational hazard for HR people that we are often put in this position where you've got to make that choice. And so uh, that's that's the advice that, that really had the most impact on on me and, and not just how I do my job day to day, but how I live my life with this being my profession.
0: Thank you for sharing that, Scott. Really appreciate that. So one last question that we always close out on, this is kind of my bonus question that I throw on the back end and it's all about motivation. I love having this conversation. Really enjoyed our conversation all the way through about flexible work and those opportunities. But when you wake up in the morning and your feet hit the floor, what is the one thing that gets you motivated to start your day?
1: Um. I think it's just the sense of the unknown of what the day is going to have in store for me. And this is why I love being a people leader. Um, certain functions deal with a lot more predictability. In human resources, we deal with human beings. We deal with people. And people are the most unpredictable part of uh, uh, of the work environment, um, you know there are certain trends and patterns, and the kinds of things you and I can talk about. And we can draw conclusions, but at the end of the day, like there's always something unique and different about each one of us and how we do our jobs and the circumstances we find ourselves in. And so, I think you know, kind of what excites me is going into the day, not being a hundred percent sure what it's going to be like. Uh, so there's a little bit of adventure that's baked into yeah. Yeah. it.
0: Yeah. Well, like that is a great way to go out. Again, Scott Day, Chief People Officer to Ludo, thank you so much for joining the HR Works podcast, bringing this great conversation about workplace flexibility, not just the four-day work week, but a flexible workplace in general. I really enjoyed the conversation. I hope we can keep the conversation going. But again, thank you so much for your time today. This was great having you on.
1: It's been my pleasure, Josh, and I really, really uh, do appreciate you having me here. Uh,
0: The feeling is mutual. Thanks, Scott.
1: Thank you for listening to the
0: HR Works podcast. Be sure to check out our new episodes every Tuesday. Follow us on all major streaming platforms, including iTunes, Spotify, and Amazon Audible.